Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Hope you guys are doing well, and I hope you are psyched for this week's episode with one of our finest actors, someone who I don't have a lot of experience with, but I was thrilled when I got the chance to sit down with him, uh, Mr. Guy Pierce. Uh, this guy is awesome. He has been so consistently... I was going to say consistently awesome through his career, but also consistently kind of unpredictable in his career choices. He's gone from things like uh, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is kind of what his first kind of big claim to fame, to, of course, Memento and L.A. Confidential. And he's now in a new film that's uh, a really good one. It's called The Rover. And amidst this kind of summer blockbuster season, this is one that's well worth your time. It's from a really talented filmmaker by uh, the name of David Michaud, who did a film called Animal Kingdom a few years back, also with Guy Pearce, uh, an Australian film that uh, got Jackie Weaver an Oscar nomination. And if you haven't seen that one, that's... I mean, that's a stellar piece of work. The Rover is, uh, is super uh, good as well, and uh, Guy really owns the screen as the lead uh, in this film, alongside uh, Robert Pattinson, our old buddy, uh, who uh, really acquits himself quite well, especially opposite uh, a formidable actor like Guy. Uh, this is a really fun conversation. I was really um, thrilled with it. Uh, Guy Pierce is... Uh, has a really interesting, cool perspective on his own career. He's very open in terms of the, the kinds of choices he's made, the kind of arc that his career has gone through. He kind of had that big brush with Hollywood success about 15 uh, plus years ago with LA Confidential. And uh, he's always kind of marched to the beat of his own drummer, but talks forthrightly about sort of what Hollywood wanted, wanted to do with him and what he wanted to do with his own career. Um, and he's emerged out of it with a, a really great body of work uh, all the way up to and including the rover. So uh, I'm thrilled to bring you this one, guys. As always, hit me up on Twitter at Joshua Horowitz. Tell me what you think. Tell me who you want to hear. Tell me what we can do better. And uh, as always, please, please subscribe to the podcast if you're liking what you're hearing. Uh, spread the word. Uh, give us a rating. Those really matter uh, in terms of getting us up on the iTunes charts. And uh, write a little review. It just takes a second. Just tell us what you think. Uh, I truly want to hear from you guys. And as always, uh, check out all of our cool stuff on MTV.com. Uh, we're churning out great content every day, including uh, a ton of material with uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, as I mentioned before, his co-star in The Rover. Uh, just did a significant sit-down interview with him that you can see on uh, MTV.com. Uh, but in the meanwhile, enjoy this conversation with one of our best, Mr. Guy Pierce. I was going to say, you must be used to those crazy flights. So it's not jet lag this way? Why? Because it's... Well, it's only 14 hours. It's not 24 hours like... You say so only 14 hours? Like, have, you ever, have you ever flown 24 hours? No. Well, so then, so talk then to me later. Hours looks like a, 14 hours looks like a quick, a quick flight. <laughs> yeah, feel free to adjust the mic a little closer if you want. I don't want. know how close you want that. Uh, maybe a little closer would be great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm flying for the first time ever to... Um, Hong Kong in a few days, and I'm that's like I think like 17 hours, even that's frightening me a little bit. So, do you have any advice for right. dealing with? I don't have any advice, no, it's, it's different for every person. <laughs> Just got to try and manage your time, yeah. yeah. So, um, congratulations on the film. Thank uh, you. I, I really uh, love this one. I was a huge fan of, of Michaud's uh, first film, Animal Kingdom. Um, and uh, this is this is a, I mean, it's a much different film, obviously, in, in, in many ways. Is it true that he that he wrote the part essentially for you he said that he says this yes um, do you believe him <laughs> well I don't know I'm, I'm often I mean I believe David because he's a very honest guy um, but I do you know I often wonder 
why I, I don't know what I think about people writing things for certain people you know I think if he'd really written it for me, he would have told me about it while he was doing it instead right. of finishing it and then going, here you go. Interesting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, have you had that experience in the past where you've had people write things for you and that when you've actually read the material, it's... I that I've passed. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, pe- people say they write things for you. And, I mean, I've, I've done films before where, you know, they call you three weeks before shooting going... This is for, this was for you, and can you please hurry up and sign? And you think really? Like, wait a second, you've been in development in the three years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who, who just pulled out? <laughs> so, so I'm dubious about it. But having said that, I believe David, of course, because yeah. you know he he. I think if the truth be known, he 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 does say that he wrote it with my voice in his head. Yeah. You know, so he was hearing my voice do it. But, I, you know, I I also think as a versatile actor myself and other actors being versatile, lots of actors can play lots of different roles. Sure. So it's so I, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, I, I was say the only person who could play this role. Not that David's saying that, but no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting you say like um, you know, written in your voice because ironically this character, I mean, the, the relatively taciturn man. I mean, I'm curious like what the what how much voice there was. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> in a literal fashion, I guess. But I mean. Like, what does the script for this look like? It, it's probably pretty lean, I would think. It's it is pretty lean. I mean, it's it's really also about what's there in the big print and what's right. what's going on internally for characters, and um, you know, obviously the action. Uh, but but I, I David's got kind of a poetic style in his writing, so you read it the way that you read a a, a great novel. You right. know, he's got a, he's, he's but but you it, there are there are elements to it that are. Um, obscure and um, you know where, where things are pretty subtle so it, it it required quite a bit of communicating with David after I'd read it to just right. to make sure I understood what it was you know because I felt like I had a version of the film in my head right but I but I wasn't sure so I really needed to sit down with him and and talk sort of talk through also who the character was um, prior to meeting him him in the film because obviously by the time we meet him he's fairly you know, he's fairly stripped of any level of humanity and yeah. morality, etc. So I, I needed to understand who he used to be. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think David probably needed to understand who he used to be as well. So, sure, you sure. know, the great thing about David in a way, and, and when I, I keep talking about his honesty, is that he he's very up for discussion. He's very up for sort of um, understanding it while you understand it, you know. so And we do a lot of takes on set and... You know, I think for him, he needs to explore a lot. Right. So it's a really interesting way to work. I mean, having been through, having worked with many directors, obviously, in your career, I mean, do you now, at this point, gravitate more towards or do you enjoy the process more of working with somebody that kind of, that has a short vision, yet is open to collaboration, that knows when they don't know something? Because I would think a lot of directors probably, or some directors at least, show up on set feeling like they have to have all the answers. Yeah, a lot of directors do, yeah. And a lot of actors do too. They have a lot of feel, you know, it, it, it feels embarrassing to go, oh, I don't really know how we're going to do this, you know. But right. I, I, I'm the first to go, great, okay, well, let's together work this out, you know. Yeah. Um, it is frustrating if you work with a director who, who acts like they've got all the answers and you can just tell they don't because you think, well, we're off on a bad foot here. I'm, I need to trust you and I need yeah. you to trust me. So it is tricky if, you're not, if you don't have that level of connection yeah. You know, that's a, that sort of trust. So how do you manage in a situation like that? Because that, that has, that does, as you say, has to be the worst experience. You're, you know, you've had some meetings prior, presumably. You like the material, hopefully. Mm. But then within that first day or two, you know, you feel in your bones this guy or woman doesn't. Well, it, it's difficult. I mean, the, the worst case scenario and the worst place that you end up going to and, 
you know, well, not the worst necessarily. The worst is that you end up fighting and arguing with each other, and that's yeah. awful. But, but the the safe place to at least know you can get to is is by going, okay, well, I, I just have to stand on my own two feet here. I'm take care of myself. I'll just take street, care of yeah. myself. And and if we're arguing about what it is I'm doing, and I really do not believe what you need me to do, yeah. then I'm not going to do. It. I'm just not going to do it. You know. But if I but you don't want to be in that place. That's an awful place to because then you're sort of in battle together. You know, right. they're pointing the camera, you're doing your thing, and you're just moving on to the next scenes. And you think, oh, that's excruciating. And what about the case where, like, do you ever get? I mean, I wonder, do you have to play those kind of mind games where a director says, like, okay, give, give me one this way at least for me, and you say you're doing it, but you don't do it? Do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question because you because uh, you know they have the power in the edit room. I mean, whatever. Well, that's right, and you, you know if somebody really wants something, that that's what they're going to use anyway, or. or or at least that's what they're going to aim to use. So right. you, you really, you know, you need to be at least convincing on, on, on all of it. But <laughs> I, I just try to make everything work if I can. Yeah. Um, I, I think the difficulty too is allowing your own kind of resistance to come in. If you feel that somebody is being um, insincere or dishonest, it's hard not to put your sh- have your, you know, your hackles go up and put your defences up and sort of argue with them. Yeah. If someone was really decent about it and really honest and they said, look, I don't really know but I'm exploring a whole lot of things. Can we now just try one like this as well? And can right. we try one like that? You would be more honourable in going into it, you know. Sure. If I know, for example, that, that somebody only wants to do version B of, of, a, of a scene and they're not even, you know, they're not even kind of open to other stuff, then I'll do everything I can to not do version B of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it is yeah. a very it's a very subtle but a, an incredibly overwhelming thing sometimes. And most of the time it's great. And, yeah. and the other thing is I'm older now I can actually handle it better and I also don't you know I I just these days go okay fine if you want me to do one like that fine I'll do one like that and you know if in the end it works great I was happy to be proven wrong and if they look at it and it it doesn't kind of work as well then hopefully they'll go you know what you're right right what you would so so not, not worth the tension on set, and you just want no, to get through the right. day. No, that's really isn't. It really isn't worth the tension because you jeopardise all the other work that you've got to do. If, right. if you've got to sacrifice a couple of scenes along the way because someone wants you to do it differently, then so be it. For the greater good, right? Yeah. So, does do you get the same enjoyment in the same way out of what you do when you're on set as you did when you first started out? Like, what, do you remember like what you were, what, what what gave you life and excitement the first time you acted versus now? I, I really do get the same enjoyment. It, it really was, and I think. You know, really, acting for me has been a survival technique. You know, it's been... I was very anxious as a child. I was socially anxious, and I really struggled to sort of be around people and feel like I had something to say and not feel intimidated and not feel embarrassed or humiliated and feel like I was smart enough or funny enough, all that sort of stuff. I just felt like I was really self-conscious and really uncomfortable. Mm. And the great thing about acting meant that you had great things to say, you looked really good, (laughs) you, you... The world that was created that you were in was utterly convincing and you were convincing and and you were convinced by it and there were no kind there were very of few questions too like you kind of you had a path right, you knew right. what to do yeah and i think the enjoyment that you get out of going oh i feel safe in this little right. in this little moment here because i've got great things to say etc i still get that same enjoyment i still you know experience the the childlike kind of joy of of feeling really in control or or at least I mean, it, it's much more complex now, though, in, the, in that I'm actually happy to lose control a bit more now. And, mm-hmm. I mean, not to contradict what we were just talking about before, right. but, but to, if, you, if you're in great safe hands with somebody and you really feel like you can sort of fly left and right and try all sorts of things, yeah. you know, I feel far more confident about my own skills and what I'm capable of doing and what I'm capable of trying, etc. So I still get the same enjoyment on a, 
on a particular sort of level deep down. But as I say, it's much more, I'm much more mature about it all now. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm New York based, but I'm out here doing some work here, obviously. You, you don't have a home here, do you, in Los Angeles? I do in or? Los Angeles. Oh, you yeah, do? Okay. Yeah. I'm in an apartment, not a. Not Got it. A, well, I'm curious. I mean, what was the, when was the first time you came to LA and what did you make of it? Um, um, well, the first time I, I came in 94 to do publicity for Priscilla, mm-hmm. um, but I had been here about a year before just visiting a friend of mine who also works in the film industry and, and I really didn't, I didn't go to any meetings. It was literally just stopping here on the way home from England when catching up with him, you know. Um, but when I came in 94 for Priscilla, I, I was, look, you know, I was, I was um, pretty anti uh, the idea of trying to carve out any kind of career here. I had no confidence in the career that I had at home. And so I really didn't feel like, um, I just felt like it was going to be a waste of time here. I didn't, I didn't see myself as competitive like that. I didn't, I didn't want to use up any energy doing that. I just didn't have right. the money to sort of do it. I kind of just went, no, everybody, go, you know, back off. Yeah. So it took me a few years to get past that point and actually start to enjoy LA and actually feel like you don't have to be here and, and feel like you're competing for a role or right. that sort of stuff, you know. So it took me a good 10 years after, after that 94 Priscilla time. Right. You know, and I started getting some good, great work, as we know. I mean, I did Memento and yeah. Rules of Engagement and Time Machine and Monte Cristo. So I got to do all these really good, interesting things, but my internal life was, was struggling a bit with it all. And... Uh-huh. and I just wasn't ready to feel confident in myself yet, which is, you yeah. know, it's, so, so it was my own worst enemy and I sort of probably sabotaged my own career. But, but um, So well, that's it. Let's dwell on the dark period. No, but, but, but I'm <laughs> curious because like, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, looking at your filmography, I mean, you've been very, you've consistently worked around I mean, you've had a, a great career in that and you've, you've, you've dabbled in, in just about everything. But yeah, that you can kind of like, I feel like you see that, that period of a few years where you're clearly... This this puts the wrong spin on it, but playing the Hollywood game, and I don't mean that in a pejorative yes, bad no, way. No, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Um, so for you, was that something that like you had to kind of do your time, and you had to kind of just do it for a while, and sort of like just give it your go? I'll be the leading man they want me to be. I'll get the best possible. No, I didn't. I, I could, you know, I, I I couldn't even sort of say it like that. I I really just. You know, for me, it was all about character. It was all about trying to find interesting work and trying to find interesting characters that I believed in. And any talk of, you know, you're going to be a leading man, any of that stuff, I just, I just, I wanted to punch people (laughs) when I heard that stuff. I found it really excruciating. I just didn't believe that I, I think deep down it was because I didn't have the confidence in myself, you know. So I really sort of skirted around the outside and I made it be, that everybody else was just insincere. Interesting. Um, so I was pretty negative, you know. I was pretty negative about the whole thing. And 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 as I say, I took I sort of took a big break in two thousand one and looked back at it, you know, just sort of took a good look at it all. And and then slowly, I guess through the through the two thousands, I just felt like I started rebuilding yeah, on yeah. some kind of level. And really, you know, and I had a great conversation with my agent in two thousand and four after after um, the proposition. And he said he saw the proposition. and He said, I now fully understand what it is you're doing. He said, I now instantly see this long and uh, obscure but um, complex and, and versatile career. I yeah. now see that. I now see that's what you're interested in. Not to suggest he didn't see that before, but he definitely was like studio executives or other people going, you know, you're a young, good-looking guy. Surely, Put him in that box. Surely and, yeah. you want to be Tom Cruise, right. don't you? And I, uh, 
when know. in fact you're 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 more of like a character actor in like a leading man body. You can do the leading man thing. You can do that. You can carry a film as we've seen. But you are also a chameleon. You also love to. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you you're clearly willing to uh, willing to let go of your vanity for a, a project. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I I think you know the whole sort of good looking guy thing. I'm flattered by it, and I and I always was, and that's that's great. But I. I don't know. I guess it was. I guess it's just going. But there's I, there's more to me than that. I sure. know. I I feel like I've got more interesting stuff to offer than than that. And not to suggest that all the leading men out there don't have uh, things to offer. Totally. But I, so it was a it was a it was a, a combination of things because I'd also been on a television show when I was eighteen right. in Australia that was excessively popular. This show, and I was one of twenty characters on the show, but I really struggled with fame and pop, that sort of. Um, you know, popularity based on being in a show. And I think I was really resisting that again. Right. I didn't believe any of it. I really struggled with it. I, I just I just found it was really awkward. I, I hated losing my private life going out down the street. I have a sister with an intellectual disability, so I feel life is incredibly unbalanced. You know, right. I couldn't I, I couldn't feel myself rising to any public notoriety without thinking about her right. not not getting to do the things she wants to do. So there was all sorts of things that were filtering into going, no, I just want to act, do my job and then go. You know, yeah. I don't this whole thing of of just making you get a, become a bigger and bigger and bigger star wasn't the tra- trajectory that I saw. Yeah. Uh, I get it and I'm flattered by it and all that sort of stuff, but I just really struggled to, to believe that that was the direction I, I was to go in. What, what was the, the, the ride? And it was a ride. I mean, I was... I was in, in college then, and, but I was a big film nerd uh, of LA Confidential. Was that a fun ride to go on? Because it, it was the awards season. It was everything. It was you and Russell, and well, it was, it was and it was the first. I mean, it was my first job in America, you know. So and and one of the greatest films I've ever been in, and probably one of the greatest films of all time. I, mean, I literally, I, I was, so you know, I literally watched it on the plane ride over yesterday. Oh, and you, it's just, I mean, it's one. It's one you can return to every. It really is a classic film, and yeah. and look to be part of that. I mean, to me, I'm still on that ride yeah. in my own head. I just cannot believe that I had the, the fortune of being part of that crew. And, and you know, so the, the instant ride that occurred, can and, you know, the, the awards for the film and all that sort of stuff, um, the, I, I saw all that and I felt all of that, but I kind of felt, again, I, I think... Like, I, I, I don't deserve to be here kind of a thing? Or a, I, a little bit, and, and, and I felt like that was all so loud and noisy that you don't sort of hear it properly. It's not right. really until the years afterwards that I can proudly, quietly on my own sit there and go, LA Confidential's a classic. Yeah. And I, I wow, I, I can't believe I got chosen to be in it. You know, So as I say, the, ride, the real ride for me yeah. is the... I, I have this real thing about long-lasting effects. I really love... It's like music. I like music that takes me kind of a long time to get into it. And yeah. I think the idea of sort of instant stuff... Because to me, as instant as something is, as inst- is, 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 you know, it'll, it'll quickly disappear. As yeah. well. So I just feel I can't grasp onto anything that feels that kind of tenuous. Well, and you, and you can apply that to the kind of films that you've done that, that have resonated. I mean, you know, there's... Despite, like, for, you know, bringing it back to the rover for a second, it takes place 10 years after, quote-unquote, the collapse. But mm. there's a very... There is a timeless quality. It's not set in any specific... We don't know the details of what happened. Ellie Confidential obviously takes place in a, a certain, very specific time period, but... We're going to continue to return to that that trope Absolutely. always in film, and it feels well, classic because of that. And 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 I just think that you know there is a an, a, a really um, untenable sort of underlying aspect to any artistic form that is really hard to put your finger on. Yeah. You know whether it's painting or music or whatever it happens to be, 
and you, you feel it in your bones. It's about feeling something in your bones. And to me, a lot about the work that I choose to do, the work that I want to see, how I feel about my career, how I feel about other people's careers, it, 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 all the answers to all that stuff come from a very, very deep place within sure. me that, that, that are all about just feeling right or not, you know? Yeah. And it's a really difficult kind of thing to explain. And, you know, and I, I now look back at my work and I'm so pleased with everything I've gotten to do. There are some things that I think I was crap in and some <laughs> things that I just think are crap and some things that haven't worked so well. And, sure. But, but, hey, that's how it goes, you know? You can't, you can't always choose everything well and you, you're not in control of everything. And I also think it's great too, in a way, because because you learn from all that sort of stuff. And and it, you know, you go well. That's just life, isn't it? Life, you know, life's up and down. And it, and it's you know, there are things that you you you, you do and, and work really well and resonate with people and others that don't. And, and yeah. so be it. But I definitely feel like I'm now. I'm far more confident with myself now and what I'm capable of. And you know, um, and much. You know, I can say no to somebody about a job now without feeling like I'm getting into battle about it or, right. you know, I just go, no, it just doesn't, you know, it's just, it just ain't speaking to me. I'm sorry. You know. So if you'll indulge me just because I do have Ellie Confidential on the brain because I saw it yesterday and because we should always talk about it because it's a classic. Yeah. When I was watching it, I mean, it, was, it struck me. I mean, there was a lot made of, uh, you know, it was a big um, role for both you and Russell, like emerging in, the, in American audiences. His character is so so like animalistic so just like primal and mm. and and there's so much tension between your two characters through the film and I'm like what do, what do you remember about interacting with him then did that did you guys try to kind of bring that I mean did you go a little method in terms of like the way you carried yourselves off screen in terms of well I never there... know the answer to that because I think you, I think I feel like it's you're, well I never went to drama school so I, I I can't technically say I understand what method even means but right. I always feel like you you're committing 100% anyway you sure. know I mean we certainly we you know I, I think Russell and I understand each other pretty well and I certainly I was very aware of his career before doing that I'd been a massive fan for a number of years right. you know um, through Romper Stomper and all the things that he'd done and I got to work with him in the I think in the 80s as well very briefly um, and I think there's just a deep understanding of what you know of, of what it was we were naturally going to bring. I mean, when I read the script, he was the only person cast at that point. Yeah. And, and, and I was just... And I wanted to do the film because he was in it, before I'd even read the script. Um, because he is, as you say, he's, he's very powerful. He has an incredible sort of energy about him. And, I, and it's just a real kind of integrity. And he brings he brings something to characters that no one else can bring. You know? Absolutely. And in a way, I, when I looked at that sort of dynamic between him and Exley, I just thought, wow, this is going to be great. Like, this is really going to work because, you know, I think, I think Exley is a very animalistic kind of character as well, but it's all, ver- it's all really siphoned through a very particular sort of intelligent uh, or yes. a, a level of intelligence. Um, or his way of operating is, is, is through his intelligence. But... But all of the fears that he has physically and as, as, as the animal that he is were all palpable. And, and obviously in getting to read Elroy's book as well, you get, to, you know, it covers an eight-year period rather than just sure. that Christmas. Uh, so there was a lot of great material to sort of pull from in the, in the book. So, you know, we, it's funny, Russell and I talked a bit about what we were doing, but it was, it was just really implicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as, as you knew, and, and it sounds like you were immediately gravitated to that material, was Memento a no-brainer, or was it set of, was it a risk at the time? Because no one had not done he had done virtually nothing. Absolute no-brainer. Absolute really? no-brainer. Oh, it just totally. off the page that this is going to be unique. This off guy page, knows what he's doing. I, 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 well, I watched Following, yeah. you know, so I, and I can't remember the series of events. I think I got sent the script, and my agent wrote in the letter 
in brackets. By the way, this all goes backwards, in case you know. <laughs> which was a great tip in yeah, a way, because it meant because it really is a confusing film to watch, as you know, and no, it was totally. a confusing film to read. Um, but knowing that uh, you know half of the whole story is going backwards, um, I was instantly moved by the plight of the character of that character um, throughout the film emotionally. Even though I was kind of going right, I'm not sure what's just happened. I don't know what's happening next. I'm going to have to go back and read this three or four more times to get my head around it. Right. The emotional turmoil and the emotional um, journey for that character was very clear and I could have got up tomorrow and started making the movie straight away. I mm. really could have. And within that couple of days of getting the script, I also got Chris's film following. So once I saw that, I actually got really panicky because I thought, I, I really want to do this movie and I, everyone else is going to want to do this movie <laughs> Don't too. let the secret out. How do we, no one pass around the following. How do we make this work? You know. So I met with Chris... Chris Nolan sat down, and, and in fact, I might have met, I can't remember, I might have met him first and then got the copy of Following, mm-hmm. I can't remember, the series of events, but I remember calling him after I'd met him, like a day or so after I'd met him, and calling him saying, look, I'm really, really sorry to do this, but I hear in this town, enthusiasm goes a long way uh, for getting people roles, and Chris is as cynical as I am, right. so, you know, and I, so I was most effusive, I said, look, I'm as I say, I'm really sorry to be doing this, but in case it means anything at all, I just want you to know I really want to do this. <laughs> I love that you apologize. Oh, well. It's like, this is so not me. I know this is what other actors do, and I hate them for it, but I have to do this But in I this just case. have to let you know, yeah, because, because you know, you see film directors at, at film festivals talking about the movie that it took them 10 years to make, and they say, you know, so-and-so, he camped out on my porch, right. like, every night for five years, and I just knew that he had something in him, like... Really? Is that what it takes? You know, it's not about your talent. It's about how committed you are. Like, surely right. if you're going to say yes to a job, you're going to be committed, right? I don't understand anything less than that. Right. But I did feel I needed to call him to say that. And Chris, of course, you know, was like, oh, well, thanks for letting me know. And <laughs> sort of that was it, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed I made that call. But I don't think the call is what worked. I think, you know, I think I was cheap. Right. <laughs> to Are be you? honest, I mean, they offered it to Brad Pitt, you know, and all these other people, and they right. were like, "Oh, we don't know who this Chris Nolan guy is." You know, I think we'll pass. I'm like, "You idiots!" <laughs> Does not, sur- not that I think Brad's an idiot by any means. But no, yeah, yeah. And um, he, he had some other decent work on the go. Yeah, it's worked out for all of you guys. Yeah. Um, are you surprised by the trajectory of like how Chris's career has gone? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I look, I'm, I'm so, um, I just think he's extraordinary, and it, it just makes total sense. But, but it, it, it's an amazing trajectory, you know. Yeah. I mean, Memento was such an accomplished film by him. And then, you know, then he went on and did that film with um, Pacino and Robin Williams. And, Insomnia, sure. And, and I looked at that and just went, wow, he's just amazing, isn't he? And then, of course, the, the whole Batman thing started. So, you know, I'm, it, what I feel great about is that I got to be there kind of early on, you know, where, where Chris really, um, you know, didn't have a budget around him and really just had right. to make work, you know, what he had and... He really, just, he's just an extraordinary filmmaker. And one thing that was amazing about Chris was, you know, on one hand he's dealing with you and your emotions and really the, the subtleties of what a character should or could be but doing. But a technician too, of the highest degree, and right? That's yeah. right, a technician like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. So, so he's having split dual conversations with you and the camera team with, with it, it just a excessive sort of aplomb, you know. Like yeah. just, just beautiful to watch him work. Does, does your, so, I mean... Uh, does your understanding and willingness to do kind of like operate in in the quote unquote blockbuster realm? Um, is is it? Are you more accepting and, and have? A, it seems like you have a better perspective on everything, frankly. Now, yeah, yeah, but like, I mean, when you work on something like Iron Man or Prometheus, which again, I wouldn't put in the cookie cutter blockbusters because Prometheus is a Ridley Scott film. Yeah, you know, yeah. Iron Man, the Marvel 
guys know what they're doing. Um, do you feel like though you come at it in a different way than you would have five or ten years ago? Or are you just sort of more willing, less willing to sweat the small stuff, and you just kind of go with it? Or no, I mean, I still want to sweat the small stuff. You yeah. know, and that's you know, and the great thing about Shane Black and with Robert Downey on on Iron Man was that those guys were, were very much into that stuff as well, and it, and the Marvel guys too. I mean, I had great conversations with them. I definitely feel like I'm more open to certain roles, uh, certain kinds of films than I used to be. But it's also you know, um, I, I still might read a blockbuster, and if it's a terrible script, I'm not going to do it. You right. know, but I'll still read a small film, and if it's a terrible script, I'm not going to do it either. So, yeah. and you know, I think the fact that I did Prometheus and Iron Man close to each other made it appear like I was on this whole new sort of right. path. It was just a bit of a fluke, I think. Really, what's your perspective on Prometheus? I'm curious because I actually I'm, I'm a fan, and I wouldn't say it an apologist. It did very well, got some good reviews, but there were the, a lot of fanboys kind of like really. I think because it was frankly at the time like the most anticipated like sci-fi thing ever. It was Ridley coming back to sci-fi, and yeah, people put I, such a heavy burden on it. I, I think so too. I mean, I think the film's extraordinary, and I don't know if I can't be objective, but I know that some people struggled with one, sort of understand the movie, and two, to kind of really feel like whether it was the, 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 the appropriate prequel to the Alien films. Right. So, so it's hard for me to be objective to be about it, to be honest. I yeah. just feel thrilled that I got to be part of it. And I just think the film is extraordinary. I mean, I think the visuals... That's oh, a beautiful film. I mean, it's Absolutely. incredible. I, I, I actually wonder whether it's one of those things that in some years' time people will see it as its own film rather than the... Yeah, the kind of the the, the the failed prequel to I mean failed is too strong a word. Yeah, I but yeah, but no one, but no one, no one really said that. Yeah, to to the Alien franchise. Yeah. Did, did is it true that, that um, it was intended that you were going to do some scenes without the prosthetics as well? And was yes. that were you resentful when you like went through when you were like you signed on and suddenly you're like wait you only need me as the old dude? What the hell? <laughs> I wasn't. Oh no, I certainly wasn't resentful. I mean, there was one day when I got called into work and I didn't get and I got made up and then I didn't get used and I wasn't resentful, but I was just exhausted. I was yeah. just you know, it was a five hour makeup job. Um, I did I did wonder how it would. I mean, I, I actually had questions about the scene in the middle of the film where you would see me young anyway because right. it was so far removed from the the intro, introduction in the film and also the sort of the outro in the film. Right. Um, and I think those guys probably felt that a little bit as well. So I, I think we all kind of knew that that young scene was probably going to happen but possibly not going to happen. Right. Um, so I was sort of ready for it in a way. But I did a couple of times say, why didn't you just cast some off <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite uh, look that you've ever adopted for a film? Because you, you think of things in recent years like Lawless, where you infamously shaved your eyebrows. Yeah. I mean, in this one, you, you don't look like so great in, in the rover, with no. all due respect. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, th- there's definitely some looks that I really think... I mean, I do think the Lawless look is pretty spectacular. Pretty um, and, and Prometheus, obviously, for, the, for that prosthetic makeup. But to me, it's also just about how appropriate it is for the movie sure. and if the movie really works, etc. You know... Um, so, I mean, Priscilla too. Still, you know, of course, you, some of the, some of the yeah, 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 some <laughs> of the looks in that. But I do enjoy, I really enjoy the, um, you know, the, that the, the dressing up aspect of filmmaking. It's and and why not? I mean, that's that's a really, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's such a it's such a, an amazing part of it that that can really add to what it is you know that uh, a viewer is sort of experiencing. Uh, I think you're being pulled away uh, in a couple of minutes, so I'll, I'll make uh, the last couple uh, se- semi-quick. But I'm curious, like, you know, you work with a, a great talent, an Australian filmmaker in, in the show here. Do you feel 
I mean, and you've really done a lot of work in Australia and with Australian filmmakers. How much of that is wanting to be home? How much of it is feeling a responsibility to support that industry and those filmmakers? Well, it's an interesting question because I, I, a big part of it is wanting to be at home, but I actually think at the heart of it, it, it really is about just expressing uh, what I know as an Australian and expressing, the, you know, uh, that culture, I suppose. Because, again, if I read something... And it doesn't really work for me. I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to just be at home for that, just for the sake of being home. Right. So, I, I think being at home and and also, you know, if if I am assisting, like all the other Australian actors out there working at home uh, who have become names, then great. That's a sort of a bonus as well. But right. I I do think, as I say, the underlying thing is still about the work and character. And, yeah. You know, I mean, funnily enough, doing the Rover. Yes, I was at home, as in Australia, but I was I was days away from where I, I was lived. Gonna say, I hope you don't have a place over there because no. it doesn't look that appetizing. It was like a nine-hour drive and then a one-hour flight to get home, so it was you know it wasn't that easy. Are you good with downtime? Do you enjoy downtime, or are you the kind of person that likes that that ne- kind of needs? To do you mean in between movies or yeah. on, on a set? No, not on a set. I mean, I mean, like, do you kind of try and stack movies pretty much back to back? No, or do you need? no. One of the things that I learned when I had my my big step away from it all in about two thousand and one was, the, and I think one of the issues that I'd had was was starting to work back to back to back to back and you take for granted all that time that you have in between jobs when you're not working that much you yeah. don't realize that there's value in that and when you reach a stage or when you're lucky enough to actually get to do lots of work and you do back things up you know you wonder why you're feeling vacuous and grumpy after right. three movies in a row so you go hmm yes I do think I need to recharge in between jobs and so I am very good at doing that and and I make music as well so it's right. very easy for me to go home and spend six or twelve months just right. mucking around making some music well that's important you need something to go to otherwise you're going to well, and then you crazy, feel yeah. completely when you when you then start ready to read again, and you feel inspired by characters. You really are drawn in, and you know right. the energy that it takes to play a character is is sort of revitalized. Um, well, you, you you again nailed this one. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your work, and it's it's a, you know a part of the pleasure of doing this podcast is getting a chance to talk to people I've known for many years, but also to meet folks that I admire. And uh, and really, congratulations on this. It's been a lot of fun, guy. Well, thank you very much. It's good to talk to you.